Today we begin chapter 24. This is one of those famous chapters which people might be familiar with, where David cuts King Saul's coat without Saul knowing about it. So let's open it up in verse 1. It says like this, Vayal David Misham en Gedi. And David went up from there, and he stayed in the stronghold of En Gedi. So at the end of the last chapter, where we last met David, he was in Midbar Ma'on, if you recall. Now he goes from there, Vayal David Misham. He went from there to another Mitzodah, to a fortress or a mountain in Midbar En Gedi, the desert of En Gedi, which is also, of course, in the Judean desert. And again, it's called Mitzodat En Gedi, which is some kind of mountain or fortress, as we said. And this time when it says Mitzadah, it's very likely that we are referring to the famous Mitzadah, Mitzada, where Jews hid from the Romans hundreds of years later. That's Masada. This is the Masada we're probably talking about because it says he's in En Gedi, which is in the area of the Dead Sea. So maybe that's the Mitzadah that David is hiding out in. And the next verse says, And it was that after Saul returned from chasing down the Philistines, that they told him, what do they tell him? Hinei, David, b'medbar en Gedi. Hey, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So again, we see this is a direct continuation of the previous chapter, where it said then that Saul had David trapped, but when he heard that the Philistines were raiding the land of Israel, he broke off the chase with David. He went to fight the Philistines. So now it says here, he finished fighting the Philistines, and now he's back doing what he does best. He's chasing David again. He just doesn't let up. He sees it as some kind of holy mission. So he's back to his Mishugas. And we read in the verse, that they told Saul about it. Again, there are no shortage of informers out there. They are readily available and happy to squeal to Saul that, hey, David is in the Engedi Desert. Okay, so now Saul knows David's general location. And he's going to go after him again. And says in verse 2, and Saul took 3,000 Bachor, which could be young men or chosen men. Bachor could be chosen. And he took 3,000 men, choice guys, Israel, from all of Israel. So Saul has selected a special elite unit to seek out David here, 3,000 Bachor. And the verse continues, Levakesh et David v'anshav which means that these 3,000 men went out to search David and his men where Alpanate Surayalim, near the rocks and the crags of the wild goats. Now, what kind of name is that? Surayalim, rocks and crags of wild goats. So from this, you get the idea just as to what extent David has to hide out. He's in a place with these massive rocks and it's a habitat for wild goats. That's where David is staying, in a place where only goats can roam around. And Saul is ready to go out there too. He's willing to endanger himself and climb over these huge pointy rocks, anything to catch David. And on this verse, the Ralbag, he says something important. He says like this, even though David knows that Hashem is with him, he doesn't trust in miracles. He exerts all possible human effort to hide from Saul, even going to a habitat of wild goats. So the commentator, the Ralbag, is saying what we've been saying all along in our learning, that you have to do your hishtad lut. You have to make your effort. You can't say, oh, I've been anointed by God and it's going to work out for me. No, David has to go to a place where human beings don't venture out to, a place for wild goats. He's not trusting in Hashem's protection without making his effort. 
And the thing is, though, Saul is going to risk it. He's going to go after him there too. Okay, so Saul is seeking out David in this godforsaken place. And it says in verse 4, And he came to the Gidrotatzon. He came to the place where the sheeps are fenced in. Again, there is a fence sown of flocks. That is, he came to the place where the sheeps are fenced in. Vishamera, and there was a cave there. Okay, so there are a lot of caves in the area of Engedi in the Dead Sea. And Saul enters one of these caves. And then the verse says, La sech et raglav. Why did he enter the cave? In order to literally cover his legs. But that's a nice way of saying in the Bible that he went to the bathroom. And then the verse concludes, And David and his men were in the back of the cave. So you get the picture? This is a huge cave we're talking about. Saul has unknowingly entered the cave where David and his men are hiding in order to relieve himself. David and his men are in the far back of the cave and they can see him, but he can't see them because they're deep inside where it's dark and he's towards the entrance where there's light. So that's the situation. And it says in verse five, and David's men said to him, this is it. This is the day that God spoke about when he said, I will deliver your enemy into your hands. It's Mishamayim. David's men are telling him, Hashem is putting Saul out there for you on a silver platter. It's a sign from the heavens, the fulfillment of the promise that David's enemies will fall and they want David to act upon it. Do what you got to do, kill Saul. After all, we've been suffering here in the wilderness. We can't take him much longer. Take him out now when you have the chance. So the verse is like this. V'yikam David, and David arose, v'yichrot et knafa me'il asher Shaul balat. What does he do? He doesn't kill Saul. It says he crept up unnoticed and cut the corner, the kanaf, the corner of Saul's robe. So that's what David does. He doesn't kill Saul. He cuts his robe instead. And we'll see in the next verse how David's men aren't happy about it. But let's get back to the verse where Saul enters the cave. And the verse says, which literally means he covered his legs, which is scripture's way of saying that he's relieving himself. He had to go to the bathroom. And just the fact that the expression in scripture to cover your legs, that's the euphemism that's used for going to the bathroom. That shows the modesty that one may have when he goes to the bathroom because you have the word to cover. You're supposed to cover yourself. And it says in the Talmud that Saul was extremely modest and he covered himself with his garments like a sukkah. That's why you have the word from the word sukkah. Saul is covering himself as much as he can while going to the bathroom. And Saul is known for his modesty. Much later on, when Michal, the daughter of Saul, she will rebuke her husband, David, for dancing what she thinks was immodestly when he brought the ark to Jerusalem. It's a story later on that we'll see. And she says to him, my father never showed any skin on his body. He was so tsenua, he was so modest. And you don't conduct yourself modestly. That's what she says later on to David. And when we get to that episode, it's in Shmuel Bet, we'll see who won the argument. But the point is, some people are like that. They're just instinctively or intrinsically very modest. There's people who get dressed in the morning while they're under the covers, even if there's nobody around, because there's a general feeling they have that God is watching. And I'm going to beat Sanur in all situations. So that's what Saul is like. Nobody's in the cave, but God is watching. So Saul is covering himself as much as he can while he's going to the bathroom. Of course, with Saul, it seems like hypocrisy because here he is trying to murder David. But that doesn't mean he doesn't conduct himself with the utmost modesty and he's probably 
Makpid on all the mitzvahs. He's very stringent when it comes to the food he eats, etc. He's apparently justified to himself why it's a mitzvah to kill David. Saul is always known as being super from, super religious. So let's get back to what's happening. Saul is near the entrance of the cave, relieving himself. David's men are deep inside. And Rabbi Kahan explains this as a double miracle because David's men were sitting in the cave, terrified, because Saul and his men are right outside. He's got 3,000 Bachor, elite soldiers, searching for David. And David's men are trapped with no way to go. All Saul's men had to do was just search that cave and it's all over. And then what happens? Saul walks in alone. So not only are David and his men saved from a short death, but they can even kill Saul now. Talk about a turnaround. And that's what David's men are saying to him. This is a nest. It's a miracle. Hashem has delivered your enemy into your hands. Get rid of him and let's end this whole story. And we can stop wandering around like fleas in the desert. We've suffered enough. Knock him off. We'll go home and you'll be the king. And so David starts to go towards Saul. But he changes his mind in the middle and decides to spare his life. Instead of killing him, he cuts the corner of his coat. And we know he does this because he wants to try to appease Saul to show him that he doesn't want to kill him. After all, look how close he got and he didn't kill him. So he's doing this as a tactic to try to appease Saul. And it says in the next verse, And it was afterwards, that is, after he cut the corner of the coat, And David's heart smote him. That's the literal translation. But what it means is that his conscience smote him. That is, he was conscience-stricken for cutting the corner of the robe. So why is that? Why should he regret what he did? So for this, we're going to need a couple of midrashim. And let's listen to the first midrash. It's Madrash Tilim. There's a midrash of the Psalms. Explains that David's conscience bothered him because by severing a corner of Saul's coat, he cut off his tzitzit, the ritual fringes. And so Saul was prevented from the mitzvah of wearing tzitzit. That's the frumi explanation of why David was upset. And they learn it out from the wording in our prayers in Kriyat Shema, when it talks about the mitzvah of putting on tzitzit, it says, You should make tzitzit on the corners of your garments. And they are to place upon the tzitzit of each corner a thread of tchelet. So you have that word knaf, which means corner, and that's the word used in our verse, that David cut the knaf of his coat, the corner of it. That's how we get to the Indian of, of tzitzit. But again, that's the frumi explanation, let's call it. Another reason why David might have regretted what he did is because the robe is a sign of the malchut, of the monarchy. And cutting it is a way of diminishing or cheapening the value of the monarchy. You're cutting this royal coat. It's like taking your nicest Shabbos shirt, nice and white, and you pour ink on it or something like that. So it shows a general disrespect. And there's also a selfish motive why David doesn't want to show disrespect to the monarchy since he's going to be the next king. So it's not healthy to start disrespecting the king's clothing. In any case, whatever it is, whatever David regrets, scripture shows here David's piety that he felt remorse for a seemingly minor infraction of the law. And he was doing it really to save himself. He's trying to make peace with Saul. And yet his conscience still bothers him. Now there's a midrash that brings down this idea about clothes, that one shouldn't disrespect clothing, not only the king's garments, but any garment. And the Midrash says like this in the Talmud, in Masechet Brachot, page 62, it says like this, He who shows contempt for clothing will not benefit from clothing. That is measure for measure. You disrespect clothing, then measure for measure, 
appropriately, you won't get to enjoy clothes. And when did this happen? Well, let's fast forward to the book of Kings, chapter one. It says there that David was really old and it was really cold. And it says that no matter what his servants did to cover him, nothing helped. All the covers they put on him, he was still cold because he was punished measure for measure for showing disrespect for clothing by cutting Saul's coat here in our chapter. Because he did that, he could not reap the benefit of clothing in his older age. Now, when you see a Midrash like this, you have to look at it as an idea being brought forth. It's not like David sinned when he cut the coat and later on when he was older, he got punished for it. It's not about sin and punishment. It's more like cause and effect. It's like saying, if you go outside improperly dressed, you're going to catch a cold. It's not a punishment that you caught a cold. It's a consequence. So that's how you look at it. David being cold later on is a consequence for what he did to Saul's coat. In any case, Rabbi Kahana takes his Midrash about disrespecting clothing and he makes it real brings it up to date. And this is what he says. He brings the Talmud and Brachot that he who shows contempt for clothing in the end will not benefit from them. And then we see David in his old age could not benefit from clothing. The Rav says like this, we have here a tremendous lesson. As it says in Tehillim 24, that everything belongs to God. And Hashem, he gave us property. He gave us material things in order to use them properly under certain conditions that a person is put into this world like somebody put in a furnished apartment that he's renting out. And if he destroys the furniture, then he's a thief because the stuff in the apartment doesn't belong to him. That is, you have to take care of all the furniture in this rented apartment. The material things in this world are ours under the condition that we respect it and don't abuse our privilege to use it. And so somebody who cheapens clothing or disrespects it, then he's abusing the material things that Hashem put in this world and the Kodesh Baruch Hu will pay measure for measure. You abuse the privilege of clothing, then you will reap no benefits from clothing. And now the Rav brings it up to date and he says like this, today there are people who are so corrupt and their values are so twisted that they buy clothes in amazing quantities because they just have this lust for more and more clothes so people can be jealous of them. So they'll wear something new every day and they wear these clothes once or twice, and then they hang it in their closet, never to be used again. That too is a disrespect or a contempt for clothing. And what's the measure for measure? What is the consequence of all this? That at the end of the day, with all the clothes they buy, they'll never be satisfied. They'll buy and buy clothes, and it will never be enough. And they will remain frustrated and unsatisfied, no matter what. So just like with David, no matter how many covers they covered him up with, when he was old and cold, nothing helped. That's like people today who buy and buy clothes and they're never satisfied. Just like all those covers couldn't make David warm, all the clothes in the world won't make these people happy. Anyway, I think I know people like that. Okay, let's get back to the story here. David, instead of killing Saul, has cut the corner of his coat and now he's going to go back to his men. And they're not exactly thrilled about this. So it says in verse 7, And he said to his men, God forbid I do what you guys want me to do. You wanted me to kill him? I'm telling you, Khalila. God forbid I do such a thing. Ladoni, to my master, the Mashiach Hashem, to the anointed of the Lord. So David is calling Saul Mashiach Hashem. He's the anointed. That's true. And he continues, I'm not going to put forth my hand against the Mashiach Hashem. That's the second time he calls Saul the anointed. He's the Mashiach Hashem. I'm not going to kill him. 
So we're going to take a deep look into that. Why didn't David kill Saul? What is this thing? He's the Mashiach Hashem. That's why he didn't kill Saul? Because Saul is the Mashiach Hashem? That's what David seems to be saying. What does he mean by that? Saul is immune because he's anointed, even if he's trying to kill David? We'll get back to that question. Let's look at one more verse. It says that David, he separated his men with his words. What does it mean? He split them or he put a crack in them with his words. The Mitzvah David explains, Because his men were one unified group that wanted to kill Saul. They were unified on that issue that Saul has to go. David, and David came along, he broke up that unified block and convinced them not to do it. And the Redux is the same thing. He says when David came back with the corner of Saul's coat, they're saying, I thought you're going to come back with his head, not with a corner of his robe. They couldn't understand it. So David's telling them in verse 6, God forbid that I sholech yadi, that I set forth my hand against the anointed. That's his answer to them. But that apparently didn't convince them enough because in the next verse it says, He had to break up their unified block that wanted to go out and kill Saul. You know, we know he's got some hotheads in his group, but they're kind of right about this. But you can understand their point of view. And the verse continues that David broke up their unified block with his words, and he didn't let them rise up against Saul. So they wanted to rise up against Saul. They're saying, if David's not going to do it, we're going to do it, and David prevented it. And the question is, why did David spare Saul's life? I mean, Saul's a rodef. He's what we call a pursuer. He's trying to kill David. So that's the question. What was David's reasoning not to kill Saul? He says to his men twice, because he's Mashiach Hashem. He's the anointed of God. What does that mean exactly? That if you've been anointed, you can do whatever you want. We see later on in the Book of Kings that legitimate kings from the Davidic dynasty were killed. For instance, Yehud ben Nimshi killed the Chaziyahu. Chaziyahu was a king of Yehuda. Nobody thought that was wrong. So we'll look at the commentaries because they really get into it. What was David's reasoning? What's the halacha? That's a discussion we have in Israel today. What is our relationship to the monarch or to the leader? Should we always give him respect no matter what? That's what David seems to be doing here. So we'll get into that and more in our next year. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm.